Hello and boom, boom, Welcome into the black archive. It was meant to be my my introduction, but I'm keeping that as it. So, hello and welcome to Into the Black Archive. Oh, for God's sake! We are today discovering discussing the Moonbase. Listeners of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other relevant podcast platforms, please forget what you just heard. We're using the Neuralizer on you now. You you were just at the shops. You thought you heard something. No, you didn't. Uh, before we go on to Moonbase, I want to discuss a few things. A few things. A that few things ominous. of relevance. So, last week, at the end of the podcast, because we forgot to do it at the beginning, because we're good at this, we discussed Christopher Eccleston's mm. return with... Um, yes. Which one was it? Respon- response to all calls. Yeah. This one is called... The next one is called Fright Montiff. It was a little bit boring. Um, so, But we also discuss um, the further adventures of Lucy Miller. Today we had, which this time we had the, ed, the house on the edge of chaos. Interesting, I, interesting great idea. Title. Terribly done. But moving on to something which I actually enjoyed. <laughs> it's the third time lucky. <laughs> so just to clarify, because I know we had confusion last time, this is an audio book, not an audio drama, so not big finish. I okay. listened to this uh, book. It was done from the first series of when the do- 13th Doctor came round. And it's really good. Mm. It's called The Good Doctor. I love it. Oh, Freddie Highmore's um, in The Good Doctor. It's a, it's a good show. He's autistic in that show. So I'm just going to explain a brief plot to you and I want to see if it reminds you of anything. Okay. So for Doctor Graham, Ryan and Yaz... They're on a planet. There's a problem. I know what this reminds me the of already. Of Doctor <laughs> no, Chris no. shit writing. <laughs> they solve the problem. They go off in the TARDIS. For whatever reason, they land back again, but in the, in the future. And the problem has... Oh! It's... I've... Someone's That's watched what the I arc. thought. I thought this will just be a bad arc ripoff. It's not... It's really good. Like, it barely focuses on that first half of the arc. Like, the first bit where they're in there solving the problem is, like, the first two chapters. So... Yeah, it's it's almost in the scene setting, and then they solve it. They solve it, and then they go in for TARDIS. This is the worst excuse to ever go back to a planet. I'm just going to say it now, because I'm just going to tell you it, because it's awful. And you'll hate it, too. Ryan leaves his phone in okay. um, the original timeline, so he has You're to go back me, and get right? it. Buy a new phone. Actually, men- SIM cards are available everywhere. <laughs> you can't afford one because he keeps losing it. That's actually a plot point, but he can't it's afford one. It's a terrible one? plot point, but it's a good book. So we're going to. I'm going to ignore that terrible plot point. Um, I mean, if if he was if he was really smart, they'd go to the future because there's going to be so much inflation that we're all going to, you know, bring wheelbarrows to Tesco. Because that's the future for us. Grab some money from there that's worthless. Bring it back to now where it'll be worth so something by phone. They do go to the future. They go to six hundred years into the future, where yeah, that's a good amount of time. Where to they break realize it up. things have gone a little bit odd. Their being there has had an odd impact on things. So they go mm. there and they f- 
Brian and the doctor go out to get their phone. They go to where Brian left it. They go there. But in the place of where they want to go to, there's this massive temple. Like a giant temple. And it's this blue box with windows. Oh, dear. (laughs) And they've forgotten what what they call it. They call it for Tardos or something along those lines. The Temple of Tardos. The old Tardos. They bow mm. down to the good doctor. They've started a religion. Ooh, dear. <laughs> now that I like because religion is like that. Uh, it's very reactionary at times, so, so it makes sense thematic. So they've it's... become. So there's two races, much like in the arc. The humans have come in and have now become the dominant species putting the other species for Loba into slavery again. Like what happened in the Arctic the other way around. Mm. Um, So for humans follow the rules of the good doctor, what's in the book of truth. I'm going to be spoiling a bit here, so don't listen if you want to hear about this book. Future Owen here. If you want to avoid any spoilers, jump to 10 minutes 38. But a few things have been lost in translation. Such as? Uh, they now obviously believe which for Loba are lesser species and that they need to be treated with contempt. Interesting. Uh, to put it Yaz gets arrested straight away after leaving Vitardis alone. Oh my god! <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh man, that's very pertinent. Um, she gets arrested because she is a lone woman without a father or husband. So she gets arrested because mm. that's in the Book of Truths. You might be thinking to yourself here, but isn't the Doctor a woman? Yeah. They've got a bit... Oh, well, she was accompanied by Graham, they wasn't she? So they got puzzled and um... thought Graham was for, for good Doctor. So, hold on a minute. So they believe that, yeah. that Graham is... that. So Graham is the yes. main religious figure. I mean... The Chase fans no, no. are the same, so you say this, that's fine. The best line of this book is around this point. So, the, the Doctor, so when they have this reveal, <laughs> what's going on, um, it's Graham, not Graham, it's Ryan and the Doctor, they go in for, for TARDIS Cathedral kind of thing, and they look up the wall, it's a massive stained glass window of Graham. And, and there's this line, I can't remember exactly how it started, but they go, it can't be Graham. Ryan goes to the doctor, it can't be Graham. It can't be. And the doctor goes, well, it's either him or the guy from that quiz programme. And that would just make no sense. So just referencing the chase. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. Which the chase is presented by... Um... <laughs> so what we're saying, so does that confirm, because this is an official, this is an official novelization yeah, or yeah. audio bit, right? Yeah. It's all Doctor Who certified. So, right, so are we saying that the chase is now canon yeah, in the Doctor Who universe? Yeah, and Graham has got this bizarre clone called bradley walsh if graham has an interesting resemblance yeah. to yeah. bradley walsh it's amazing. <laughs> that's that's funny oh goodness me what would imagine if because uh, that reminds me of you know when they did a uh, big brother and um, what not to wear and everything in mm-hmm. season one of eccleston yeah well say season one of eccleston like there was more yeah. than one season of eccleston um yeah it's a bit like that imagine if they did um oh they could do the space chase uh, what are you referencing Oh, I'm not referencing anything. Oh, yeah. Space oh, chase. Yep. It rhymes. Yep. If it yep, rhymes, it's good, mean. isn't yep. it? 
You, are you talking about me trying to maybe yeah. accidentally reference the yeah. Chase by mistake? Um, yeah. Yeah, Bradley Walsh just comes out of the Empire State Building. <laughs> like, are these yeah, Daleks? It, it's a really good book, which looks into religion, race, and all that stuff. It's really good. I like it a lot. I might, I might check that yeah. out because there's... There's a lot of room, I think, for Doctor Who to explore kind of that deeper thing sometimes. You could argue which it ends. Like, so, do you want me, how much do you want me to spoil it for you? I mean, you can go for it. You can go spoil it. So, I, you the know. initial issue, there's a war between Veloba and the humans. Uh, the Doctor resolves that they get them together mm. to create a peace deal. And then they go off, they come back. And then the ending for it is that they... The initial, the bad guy in charge of the church tries to get everyone to commit mass suicide. The doctor, the doctor Ooh. then talks, he then kills himself. The doctor then gets the sensible people together. They make a piece of grip and then they leave again. So it feels a little okay. bit too reflectiony. It feels like they've just reflected the mm. en- initial ending again, which I'm not, not too sure, but I still really like it. I really like it. It depends uh, with changing context that. I mean, sorry, this is a script writing point yeah. before we even get into the conversation about Moonbase, but but with an ending that's kind of reflexive or symmetrical to the maybe the ending of the first half yeah. where it's referencing something previously in the story, the, the trick is having the changed context there... to prove that that works with learned lessons. If they've done that, it's I perfectly fine. I think they fine. have to an extent. They do also do a epilogue like six year in the future, six hundred years in the future again, which sort of shows which it went it went well this time as well. So we're not kind of there left to guess. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's 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 yeah, it's either that or you do changes to the original thing and show how that wasn't as good and then change it so it's a better version, which is usually yeah, nice. It, it's a it's a good little book. It kept me entertained. I listened to it in one sitting essentially like six hours of an audiobook <sighs> it was good i enjoyed my time with it i liked it a lot i think the mm. entire story set up well, for that ryan leaving his phone behind is terrible and should never be done again yes but, but okay it's an excuse it's, isn't it it's impressive it's, when someone gets you to listen to six hours of audio i mean hell i did something that's two hours of audio and i went know, into it expecting it to be an arc ripoff and it was a lot more than that which made me happy good so yeah that's um that's extended doctor who uh, fiction also um, one other thing so which i haven't listened to but something yeah. which i think you should be made aware of so there was a new big finish thing released this month which i think you'll be interested in i did send it to you but you don't tend to read my messages so i don't know if you actually saw it <laughs> uh, you might have um i'm going to quickly scroll up and see if there so is a it's called about... Doctor Who after the Daleks. Oh yeah. So it looks into already. what happened to Susan and um, David Campbell after the Doctor left, and trying to make Earth a new civilization, and then they find a road Dalek that's still left. I want to listen to it, but I've also just brought two audio, but two other big finish things, so I can't justify it yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it can probably push back. It's interesting, though. Just that I think concept. it's definitely something which you will be interested in because you, as as previously discussed many times. It's an interesting concept. 
Um, I do like the obviously the whole idea of it. Anything that's kind of post yeah. <laughs> post Daleks or post anything and who is always really fascinating. So maybe it depends on the quality of the thing at the end of the it's day. It's big finish. Um, so normally it is good quality. I'm just being fussy with the other things which I don't like. Like they, like everything in them is good. It's particularly for Christopher Eccleston ones. They seem to. You know how last week I was saying which it seemed to be they spent a lot of time in for the beginning and then not much at the end. It seemed to be a lot of that. Mm. Yeah, that. I mean, it may it may very be yeah. very good, but we yeah. can't possibly know. So yeah, that's expanded universe. Who I want to talk to you um, quickly, and then we will go into the moon base as advertised. Um, I want to quickly talk to you about new Who stuff because um, there's a marketing campaign that's been happening. I'm not sure how recent this will be when this drops. But um, while in the build-up to us recording this, um, who have been doing a bunch of things in museums, um, kind of secret paintings and messages have been going around in all sorts of places. Uh, It's like a little alternate reality game. It's definitely a lot more interesting than the typical, oh, we're just going to put several trailers out and leave them to be. This gets a lot more social media hype than just a one trailer. So it gets people all... Yeah. going together and trying to work out what all the clues mean. It's it's also, it's obvious that there's a plan yeah. in place. That's a good thing. It makes me think that they know what this is. They've got everything worked out from a marketing standpoint in co- conjunction, there's the word, in conjunction with the creative team. So everything seems to be on the right page for who going in. So hopefully the yeah. confidence is going to be reflected in what we get later in the year, whenever it drops. It's we still fall don't know. 2021. So essentially... Yeah, you do think that that's only two yeah. or three months away. It's. I'm excited for the new series. I've said it before. I've said it before. I'm interested. I think this could potentially be the thing which t- turns Chipnell around because... He more typically writes these serialized, longer-term stories. It is more in his wheelhouse than I think the previous who we've seen. It seems almost tailored for him to do well. So hopefully he does. Because frankly, if he doesn't nail this, he was never meant to do who. (laughs) This is about as comfortable for him as I could think. Yeah. So yeah. That's all the world the world of old who, world of new who, and now we're going to go all the way back to season four of Doctor Who and chat about the moon base, which is uh, tonight's episode. Patrick Troughton uh, for our second run with him and our two companions from, what was the last episode? Oh, yeah. Power of the Daleks, <laughs> uh, in- including a new companion, so yeah. plenty to chat about. Should we start off, actually let's start off basic, did you like this episode? I'm all right with it. I think it's mm. pretty good. There there are moments that are a little bit by the numbers, I'll admit, but side characters and the new characters in the episode are quite good. I think the initial build in the first two episodes, sort of yeah. two parts of the story are nice. I think the pacing is fairly good. And the solve ends up being kind of cute in yeah. a funny way and kind of works. Usually I don't like them, but it actually works in yeah. this one. And it's nice to see Troughton not so much weighed down by, oh, it's the first story, it's the first story, that like we're seeing him more in yeah. the thread of things now and seeing what that Doctor's like. So, yeah, lots to like, lots to think about, lots to discuss. What about you? I think it's the weakest one we've had so far this season. I'm not... 
this season, which right. is a fair statement. It's one of those episodes where nothing much stands out to me, aside from one or two things, which I will go into. It's mm. one of those episodes where it's just nothing, nothing stands out to me as being overly good. Nothing stands out to me as being overly bad. It's it's one of those irritating episodes uh, where there's not much uh, for me to talk about. I think one thing you do have to say with the Moonbase is that we've seen it yeah. all before. There are a lot of elements that are taken from yeah. the Tenth Planet, which is the other which is this is a Sidemen story if you didn't know, uh, which is the other Sidemen story we've covered. There are a lot of elements taken from uh, things like the Ark potentially with the with the uh, virus yeah. going on. The commander of the base is a bit. Um, What's the guy's name for Tether? Is it General uh, Walker? Gen- it is General Cutler. Cutler, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit cutlery yeah. at the start, but then he kind of becomes a different character. So you can see that there's a lot of influence from mm. the previous Sidemen story and a few other things. Can I ask you a question about the Tenth Planet? And not for Tenth Planet, for Moonbase. Yeah. For Moonbase. Oh, right. Yeah, it shows you how similar these two episodes are. Is it too soon? Because I think so. this is um, only how many? One second. One, two, three, four episodes after the Tenth Planet. Like, like that, just to me, just feels oh, yeah. way too soon after establishing people and then bringing them back again. It's just willing for the audience to have enough of them before they've even started. It's the it's the equivalent of in say New Who doing Blink as like episode three of a season and then doing um, the time of angels and flesh and bones are two parts of like yeah. episodes eight and nine. It's just, okay, we're just going to do the same thing again, but kind of a little bit different, yeah. but enjoy That's it. Weird thing, like it doesn't, obviously outside of the aesthetic of it, the base of it is still very similar. Like it's got a two part invasion. It's got, as you say, a mm. grumpy old, old man who's against the doctor initially obviously it doesn't go as far as cutler but you know it can't just yeah it's got calls from the base to like a central mission thing back on back yeah. in the on earth in this case uh but you know away from the action you've got ships coming you really do you even got um polly yeah. making damn coffee yeah again th- there are so many similarities between the episodes and which is to the moon base's detriment the tenth planet does most of those elements more yeah. effectively. But anyway, yes. shall we do a quick synopsis and actually yes. get into the meat of this? Yes, uh, the let's meat and the go. Bones. So we land on the moon. We've got new companions. We've got the new Doctor, and so we're on our way. We land on the moon, sort of by mistake, sort of on purpose. I don't can't quite remember whether how intentional it was. I don't think it was one hundred percent intentional. But they go on for moonwalk. They get. They go on the moon, no, moonwalk. They go there. They see there's a base. They go inside for base. There's a strange virus affecting the base on the on moon. The moon. Um, they start learning about what the base does. It does gravity to control weather, etc., etc. But but the virus, the virus is taking control of everyone. And then there's silver men. Silver men come up everywhere. They start taking away the the ill people and replacing them with mind control people. And then the Simon come along, take control of the base. We then beat that first wave, and then. We go, we have another wave coming in, but we defeat them again by shoving gravity at them. And then that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So we talk about the characters in this. 
Yeah, let's go for this. Um, should we start with? Should we Jamie. start with the new one? Because I think it's usually yeah our new character because Jamie McCrimmon um, is here, and if you know anything about Classic Who, you will know that Jamie McCrimmon is yes. here for a while. <laughs> yeah. So this is based on my rough knowledge of season four from the bits that we don't have. This is not Jamie's first episode in. No, canon. so he gets introduced in for Highlanders. We then, after that, we've got the underwater menace. We then have for Moon Bay. So here's in for one full story. So this is yeah, yeah, so three one full now. story. Yeah, so he's had he's had a rodeo already, and it's. With Jamie, obviously, this is our first introduction to him. It's a little bit of a shame in some ways because there's yeah. not a lot he does. He kind of bumps his head really early on in the first episode and we lose him pretty much for the first half. But he does have a really interesting um, fear of the Phantom Piper, yes. which I wanted to bring up. The McCrimmon Piper. Yes. So um, could you explain what the Piper is in very in very great detail? So essentially, his, the legend of, I'm going to guess his tribe, because he's come from olden time Scotland, is that essentially for the legend goes, which when you're about to die, the McCrimmon Piper comes and takes you away. Mm. So he essentially starts hallucinating, which the sidemen of a McCrimmon Piper, and starts going, no, don't take me, because they're obviously having those people taken away. Hmm. So really, it's it's quite it's quite yeah. nicely done in in that regard. But then once he he sort of wakes up in the second half and starts to do more things, but the story struggles to really get him yeah. in. It's it's one of those stories where you get the feeling which this script was done before they realized they would have Jamie. Yeah, they did well with what they had yeah. certainly in the first half by having that Piper element and sort of making him important in that way, like in a symbolic way. But certainly when he wakes up and it's all kind of an all hands on deck situation at the base, there's very little he does um, story-wise. One He's thing just kind I of did like about how they used him, though, which they haven't really done previously, is that they actually use his background a lot more. Because normally if we say thinking about Stephen and Vicky and, uh, yeah, those are two future people which we've had, they kind of... Mm. In the writing, they kind of forget this element of them. They kind of just yeah, they just become, become normal people. Joke. But here he keeps everything's a wonder to him. He keeps referring to how things shouldn't be possible, and from McCrim and Piper stuff as well is obviously quite is one of those sorts of things. So I quite liked how they remembered to keep that with him. He's very rooted in his backstory, which is ideal. I think it, it's easier in some ways because we know historically what the Scottish yeah. Islands were like at that time, to an extent. Or at least we know what the cliches were um, at that time, and we can use those. It's tougher with the future mm. because at that point you're kind of guessing about what the origin could be like or what it could be. And then you've got to build a whole world around that. And that is, in the end, it's just yeah. a lot more effort for a writer to go through. Um, than rather than having already a pre-existing world at your fingertips that you can delve into. But do you think he's got potential? Because obviously this isn't a properly big introduction. He's kind I've... of just there, isn't he? So what do you think about future? I can future? definitely see him being used comedically. I'm not so sure about how hmm. he's going to be used as a serious, with more of a serious side. 
yeah, I think for for Jamie to excel realistically, Ben needs to go. But but that's not Shall something we we'll get into actually now. Move on to that now um, we can talk about Ben. We can talk about Ben actually. That's a nice little segue because he has a little fight with Jamie yeah. at one point, or like a sort of introduction to a fight. Ben is starting to annoy me. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why so? Because because I can kind of see where you're coming from. Maybe it feels like all he does in stories is protest in the exact same voice. It's always, mm. Oi! Why, why are you saying that? Whether it be for a doctor, someone who's going against him, it seems to be half of what he does. Yeah, he just goes and he goes, well, yeah, that can't it's be just right! Endlessly. He seems to do it like three times in this one story alone. And it just... It gets better off first half, but in that first half, that's essentially all he does. The problem with Ben is that he's an action man companion. He's probably the most raw action man companion yeah. we've had on the show so far since we've started doing this. Um, the problem with that is when you take the action away, and frankly, Ben doesn't do any fighting in this yeah. episode. He doesn't go around punching Cybermen or anything like that. He's what he gets to do becomes very limited because all he does in those first two parts is go around trying to help people out yeah, and listen to people and work out things and he's very much wasted doing that. All he can really do is go, oh, really? Yeah, he's, he just endlessly protests things in, in the exact same way and it just is getting a little bit tiring. Yeah, that you just want an episode where sometimes I feel like Ben doesn't work things out in episodes, and that's a problem mm. with writing. It's all left to the Doctor too much sometimes. Like, and we'll go into this in a minute about companions figuring something mm. out. It can be done because there is a proof of it in this episode of it being done yeah. and it working. So it's not, it's not like rocket science. The problem is Ben is typecast or pigeonholed in this action thing and then when he isn't doing the action there's just nothing much there for me to like. I remember who I said who I saw comment this I think it was on Twitter they were saying about how it's mm. really obvious which Ben was cast to do the visuality, visualities of Doctor Who when it was William Hartnell so he couldn't do much for visuality he couldn't do much for fighting he couldn't do any for running but now we've replaced it with mm. a younger Doctor who can do it a you lot can of go that. About doing his role that. is a lot more redundant. And I think I'm seeing that more and more. Yes. With Troughton, who we will get into, I think, last, because yeah. we're going through all the companions first, um, there's a sense of that he can do more autonomously. Yeah. And him having three companions around him is is pretty much pointless <laughs> because he can do two of those persons. Particularly jobs, basically. when someone's purely there um, to do the visual, the physical stuff. Yeah, when when that's no longer needed, the problem is Ben doesn't have much behind that. Um, so yeah, not not the best episode for Ben. The person I really want to talk about though, Owen, um, is Polly finally doing stuff because it is. But on the flip side of her doing stuff, it is the most polarizing, shifting, uneven characterization I've ever yes. seen. On she this goes show. from making coffee 
to it, solving things to making coffee again within like the same episode. To then yeah. solving things again. She makes she is instructed that her job is to make coffee yeah. twice. She is Am I right in saying she is the only woman in the cast of this episode as well? It didn't occur to me, but yes. Because the entire crew of the Moonbase is guys, and the only person of any kind of minority yeah. is Ralph, um, who is a black guy, um, who works in who essentially... the food store and gets uh, conked yeah, out within quite like quickly, the first actually. half of the first episode. Yeah, he's quickly disposed of in, a, in true slasher yeah. horror movie fashion. Um, so Polly gets... There are moments... And this is what makes it so frustrating because there are moments in the episode yeah, where she's really good. There's one point where essentially her and Ben are locked inside the Medi unit trying to work out how to stop the um, Cybermen. She realises which part of the suit is made out of plastic and that isotone part of the nail varnish remover could melt it. So just mix all the chemicals together and just start spraying them out for Cybermen. Yes, it creates a solution which is just kind of nice, clever chemistry and also a yeah. good science lesson for the kids. Uh, and yeah, it does the job, or at least it kills the first wave off, and that's brilliant. The fact is that is self-started from Poppy. It comes from something that is—I'm not sure whether this is a bad thing to say—but like the idea of nail varnish is like relevant yeah, to that it, character. It's like in that way. So it comes from something, something that she which knows. Is grounded in reality, because I—I'm not a girl. I don't use nail varnish, but also, also yeah, I know that nail varnish melts plastics about certain types of plastics has an effect on mm. certain type of plastics so it makes sense rather than just going oh look there's isotope over there i hear that melts things yeah it actually comes from a place which is grounded so it, so what i like about that is that it brings why a companion is important because the doctor knows all these things about everything else and has been all over the universe and knows everything and to know about science but they're not grounded yeah. There's in that actually, way, Polly's a grounded person. Actually, the entire, not quite argument, but discussion which they have about this, because the doctor's going, oh yes, I've got, I do actually have a medical degree. I got it in Glasgow in 1988. In, eight, eight, in 1888. 1888. Yeah, because this is not 1888. Yeah. We're nowhere near 1888. It's the year no. 2070 and uh, in the Moonbase. Which I feel like it's good because it actually gives contextualisation into what the Doctor knows as well and all that kind of stuff. It's it,
I, they're really close. <laughs> you were mid-flow, so I didn't want to stop you just to correct your one small mistake. <laughs> oh, basically, what you'll have to do is go through the edit and just uh, tell you what, you can even have this clip, Polly, <laughs> and, and just cl- clip that in to every single time I've messed that up. Not that you will, because yeah. it's effort. Time. <laughs> yeah, maybe have a tally chart for every time I mess up Polly's name. Um, but yeah. So yeah, kind of infuriating. And then finally, the uh, first Patrick Trump. We see him in Vision. Yes, which is because this is uh, it's half animated, half live action. This one, so parts one and three are animated. Parts yeah. two and four are live. What did you think about him? Um, it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, we're so used to Hartnell that I think any new Doctor is always has there's a yeah. there's an adjustment process because you're relearning what the character can do and what the boundaries are and what the personality will be. What you get with Troughton, and I sort of said this while we were doing Power of the Daleks, is he has a yeah. playfulness which adds a new dimension to the character. But that playfulness is balanced well with the seriousness. Mm. At all times. And you never quite know when he'll flip over each edge. So there's a there's this real element of unpredictability yeah. to Trouton that I like. Um, there are great moments throughout. There are some that I'm less keen on. There is a point in part three where, or part four where he has a literal conversation yeah, with his own head. Bring that up. It's, it's Which is first, weird. First and maybe only time where we have an internal monologue of the Doctor. It's, 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 yeah, he's interviewing himself, really. I'm just not convinced it was a good idea. Yeah, it, it's very odd when you're doing something that doesn't have any of those what I would call novelistic elements or s- uh, surreal yeah. elements and then to just do it out of nowhere and to move on like nothing happened. It's really bizarre. doesn't fit no, the episode just... at all. The fact it's only used once. Like if they set it up in the first episode being something as a gimmick they're using, I feel like I'd be all right with it. But because it just comes out of nowhere and then disappears again, it's it's just a bit weird. No, it doesn't suit the episode at all. And frankly, I don't think it suits that character. It's a little bit, um, not that obviously they've been copying because it's 40 years later, but it's a bit Sherlock-y. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it's one of the facets of Sherlock I least liked was the fact that by sort of season three onward, everything just became about how yeah. smart he was. It was just like, well, actually, I'm, I've already figured this out because I'm so damn smart. Uh, like, no one wants to watch a show about someone who is arrogantly too damn smart for you. <laughs> it's not fun. It's not rewarding. Yeah. So they've got to be careful with that. But other than that, I think it's a really good watch. I think Troughton's an exceptionally yeah. good actor. Um, so we changed the order around what we did last time. Let's quickly... Mm. mention about the animation yeah because it's another animated one it's half animated what was good obviously is that unlike power of the daleks we were able to compare straight away because you're fil- you're fl- flittering yeah. between live action animation throughout so you've got to actually compare the lighting so the shot choices all of that i do as well is because i've got two screens similar to how i last week how i was saying how i compared the two animation versions I also, what I do is I put up the reconstruction and the animation to see how they compare and contrast. 
Mm. And it's interesting in this one. Are there, there changes? There made? are a few changes where things in the animations where it just seems a little bit odd make sense in what was initially broadcasted. So there's a point, you know, when they mm. are in the medical unit and they get threatened by the Cybermen, like one appears, and they just get surrounded and they go, oh, okay, we're moving on now. It felt a little yes. bit forced and a little bit weird. But looking at the reconstruction, mm. what happens in the actual broadcast version is that one of the Cybermen holds up a gun. Yeah, though that makes way more sense. There's two two instances which I could see where a Cyberman holds up a gun which isn't seen within the animated version. I'm assuming because of cost. Where Possibly, but is it that hard to animate a gun? I, it's basically it's, just a set still it's image. It's an added keyframe, so it's one more thing to move. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, but even so, it's not yeah. huge. Anyway, we can, we can not possibly know what the thoughts of the people animating the movie are. Yeah, were. but what, how do you think it compares to the last animated one we well for the last two animated the, ones i think they get the tone right um in terms of comparison to the moon base in terms of comparison to what we've had with temp planet and power of the dalek animation bits i think the power of the daleks one was probably better yeah um and, he, and i was watching the one that's technically not the good one yeah um because there's obviously the remastered version you watched i think that it does the job in a very functional way but not much else it gets across the episode, though. Yeah. It, and also, because it's in black and white, this animation, you do get the feeling of it. So when you cross back to live action, you don't feel like you suddenly jumped into a different episode. You, it does feel like a proper continuation. Yeah. And you don't feel that jar. And if it can do that, to be frank, it's already done its job. So it can't be anything less than good. Slightly off topic, but it definitely looks better than The Web of Fear. I finally watched the animation episode for that. <laughs> oh yeah, you were saying. God, before. it's questionable. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we have an we have a decent animation, and it is consistent with what you get in the live action. Yeah. Bits. So story wise, what did we think? Yeah, it's a it's a four part. Yeah. So um, that's the pace we've kind of become accustomed to with who now. Um, for four stories. Roughly feature length. Those are the ones we've most commonly gotten along with, with like the few exceptions being um, the Dal Invasion of Earth. And Power of the Daleks. Power of the Daleks. Um, Essentially the Daleks. Yeah, but they, they suit a longer form. Yeah. You can have a longer story if it justifies it, but a four part is good for your kind of, your normal one. Your bog standard. Your, yeah, your bog standard, run of the mill, this is a decent who story. is usually four. Um, Pace-wise, I think the initial two parts have a nice slow burn to them, and it's all about having the mystery. We know it's the Cybermen, but but because they're revealed so early, the question then becomes, but why? And that's always a more interesting question, I find, narratively. Yeah. And you get to spend quite a while thinking, well, well, why are they... Are they infecting the crew? In that case, why would they be doing that? How are they doing that? Do you think for what... It's the end goal. Do you think the yeah. why was a good enough why? Um, it did just sort of seem as... Because the motive is effectively we're trying to eliminate threats to the Cybermen. Yeah. And it just says, well, Earthlings are a threat by being alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. Mm. Like it, They could have had something more. Like, just even saying it's revenge. Because that kind of gets brought up at one point. To me... 
it just seems like a really overcomplicated way to get the why of destroying the Earth. Like, surely the easiest way to destroy the Earth is just shove a nuclear bomb at it. Like, that's even discussed during the uh, the 10th planet. Mm. Like, yeah, why not just nuke the Earth, then? The entire plan just seems massively overcomplex for what it is. Which is to control for weather and to destroying the Earth. I think it's more effective if the goal isn't to destroy the Earth and the goal is just to make sure they can't control the weather. Yeah. If they'd have... I mean, obviously, this is not... This is more of a modern solution to the story that would have been interesting today. So this wouldn't have really applied back in 1967. But if the Cybermen come out and say, oh yeah, we're not planning to destroy the Earth ourselves, we just want to change the weather. And they go, why that? Because you've already messed it up with climate change. That's the reason you're controlling it, right? At that point, you go, well, actually, well, that's the the humans who have actually almost dug their own grave. This is something which I was going to bring up to you. In the first episode... The climate stuff is actually subtly mentioned. It is. Because, it is very brief. Because they, they're in communication with Earth. They're having issues with controlling the weather. And one of the side characters, whose names I've completely forgotten, the French one, goes, Oh, Benoit. Benoit Why don't we just turn it off? And the, and, yeah. And the main scientist in control and the Earth people essentially go, No, you'll dest- the weather will destroy us. Yeah, it's it's. I think the line is it's simply out of the question. Yeah. it it's a very surprisingly ahead of its time in that effect. Mm. It's. I mean, obviously, there was science around the sixties to talk about increasing weather patterns. Yeah. and extreme weather, and you know, if you if you just follow the news, <laughs> you know about extreme weather. You know about wildfires and droughts and all sorts. So it's inevitably going that way. So I, if they'd have lent into that angle about it possibly being a lot of that to do with the humans almost running away from their own problems mm. by creating this great big Gravitron weather con- controlling machine, then, okay, that's an interesting topic. And then the Cybermen are not out to destroy Earth. They're out to let the humans destroy themselves, which is, I think, a lot more interesting. Yeah. We look into the plague as well, which is affecting the humans, which essentially gets them ready to be mind-controlled, doesn't it, later on down the line? Um, it's almost an immobilising agent yeah. because it's a, it's a disease that only attacks the nerves. And what that does is this creates this very nice effect with the nerves turning this kind of, well, I say red, we don't know, um, but turning into a colour and giving this very bold and very striking look Considering to them. Considering the time when this was filmed, the effect of the black veins or nerves coming into effect is which once time is shown in for real life shots is actually quite mm. impressive it's very well done but um and yeah it's just nice makeup and yeah. costume work as well however it's never really answered about why they need for human slaves see i you initially think oh you know Perhaps it's because the Cybermen want to convert humanity rather than destroy them. Maybe they just want more Cybermen. Because that makes sense. We've seen plenty of Cybermen want to convert human stories. That's not new at all. It's even mentioned in The Tenth Planet, which they want to convert for humans. Yeah, conversion is the first thing they want. But if not, they're more than happy to kill them. Um, Because they're of no use to them human. 
so that it gets sort of suggested, but then not followed through. And at the end, you do just kind of think the only thing they really do with um, the converted or mind controlled humans is they get a guy to go into the Gravitron and affect uh, the, the operation of it to cause problems for a relief rocket coming yeah. in. But that's pretty much all they do with it. They, it's more of a mystery in the first two parts. And they also use them to control... When they initially attempt to destroy the weather, they use them to control things. And it sort of comes up as going, like, why are they using them? Maybe it's for gravity. But I'm sat there going, for gravity behind that desk is no different to whether Simon is currently standing two metres away. Like, mm. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there are threads in parts three and four get picked up and then never taken to another level. They're just kind of, oh, that's an interesting idea. And then almost it's like the writer forgets about it as they're, as they're going on with the story. Yeah. It's just a weird one for me, this story. Like, there's... There are elements of it which are good, but they're all elements we've seen before. Right. Uh, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to quickly uh, disrupt podcast recording. So we are back. Uh, sorry about that. We had a little bit of an emergency break and now it's a few days later. It is, Owen. Um, it was uh, very exciting technical difficulties that have lasted for a while, but we are back. Uh, we are, in fact, so detached from when we did the first part of this Moonbase recording that we have next to no idea where we are. So if we repeat ourselves, laugh. Yeah. But I think we kind of got past the... For middle part, because we were talking about the illnesses and how they don't, they kind of drop ideas in the first and second bit. So I'm just going to go into sort of like the third episode a bit. All right. If I can remember what happened, because that's, that's a question when we do these second parts yes. later on. We've, it is interesting terrible. how that happens, because also since we've recorded that, we've both watched the next story so we're kind of my head certainly is in between two stories now and i'm worried about um combining them so let's talk about so they they get rid so polly and ben go back and manage to when they're in prison to make some solution to defeat simon which gets rid of our first wave and then we're kind of left again stranded with Locked away for people who are ill, which had their brain controlled in the medical bay. And we've come back and we're now kind of preparing ourselves for what we believe to be the second wave coming. Mm. And, but we're doing all this preparation stuff and then the second wave starts to come. Yes, uh, they come down in a bunch of spaceships and there are some really good bits um, in this section. Um, am I right in saying that this is the part where um, a couple of crew members go out of the ship? Yeah, because they tried to fix... No, this is when the French guy comes out. I think they look out. for the engineers. Yeah, Benoit comes out and he's like, look for the engineers, yeah. lads. We need to send a couple of people out. And they, a couple of people go out and then the Cybermen confront them outside. And, and then Ben comes along and throws essentially a grenade full of uh, solution which they make at the Cybermen. Mm. A Cyberman. Yeah, so the whole thing works temporarily, but by the time we get to the second wave, only uh, a slight solution won't work, and it's clear that the Cybermen, as like a force, aren't, the humans aren't going to be able to deal with that if they breach the 
Moonbay stores. It we essentially go from a metaphorical base under siege to a literal base under siege. They get surrounded by the Cybermen. They start. We have the iconic shots of them coming over the moon surface, coming towards the moon base, as mm. we panic, panic to try to work out what's going on, with all communications seemingly cut off. But there's a rescue on over horizon. A rescue ship is nearly here, but it doesn't go to plan. Yes, because this is. I feel like we mentioned this just before we actually cut off that. The Cybermen had brought one of the uh, dead humans back to life as essentially a pawn in the game. And he goes into the Gravitron and affects the way the gravity operates to deflect the relief rocket that's coming to help them towards the sun. Which scientifically is ridiculous. Because we're by the moon. You can't get pulled into the sun's gravitational pull that far out, surely. So... I feel like that's fine for a standard writer to do, just as a bit of hyperbole, right? Mm. Yeah, it's fine. But this was written by their scientific advisor again. I just can't think... From the moon, can you get locked into the sun's gravitational pull? Maybe you can get locked into Earth's orbit, or the moon's orbit, or maybe you're on a course that you can't escape from because of the speed, but but not to the sun, right? Or maybe I'm just wrong. Here's a little bit questionable. So it turns out we say use the gravity to force the rocket out of the way, which enables the Doctor and crew to start to think of an idea of how to defeat the Cybermen. Which is the big finale set piece. And it's the it's the first... There were little signs of it in Power of the Daleks that Troughton's a playful Doctor. Yeah. But this is the first real playful thing he's done. Because he solves this whole story in the most playful way somehow. Yeah. He essentially realises which if they can get the uh, the Gravitron in the right angle, they can just make all the Cybermen float away. Whee! Floaties! And, and yeah, that, that is basically the solution. Uh, there's a bit of a tense moment because Float. there's a... <laughs> Float away, the Cybermen are off. Goodbye. I'll leave you to if you want. You're obviously in a nice moment. Yeah. Goodbye, Cybermen. Continue. The, the dreams of Owen Cranston are not reflective <laughs> of the Into the Black Archive team. Uh, now, what I like about this ending... Yeah. Is that obviously I, I like to think about when because when the moon base was made, it was a couple of years before Apollo eleven. Yeah. So we're very much in the peak time of curiosity about the moon. Mm-hmm. And there was and I believe it was known at that time that one of the funny things about the moon is that there is less gravity on it and that if you were to go on there you would seem as if you were floating. Float so it's almost away. like they've it's... Sorry, I've mid jaw as I decide to say that. <laughs> is that a cyberman's floating? Yeah, so think it was like a good bubbles. ending then. Like that metal bubbles. I like it. I it's it's tricky because when you've had a narrative that feels serious in the first two parts to then yeah. go for a a not so serious ending you run the risk of undercutting your story but i think it just about works it's all it's okay yeah. 
It's a good bit of fun watching the Cybermen floating about. It's a good uh, bit of effect work as well, isn't it? It is, actually. It's really... I know we've said this about a few things in this episode, but for the 1960s, a lot of this episode is superbly done. Yeah. I think Smart in-camera effects. I think we're starting to see the, the budget of the show going up, with, especially since they're now doing these um, based on the sea stories, so they only really need to build the one set. Mm. We're seeing the production values in other areas shoot all the way up. You do have to think, in comparison to where where Doctor Who started, where we started months ago yeah. with um, bits in unearthly, an unearthly child looking really ropey and cheap, and the Edge of Destruction looking like it was made literally for a penny. Yeah, uh, it it is a huge leap. You saw signs of it in some of the Heartland episodes, like Tenth Planet. We go on about a lot, having really decent effects. Yeah, but Tenth. 10- Oh yeah, Tenth Planet, but that's also this season, though, isn't it? Oh, sorry, I didn't. Mean, I meant Web Planet. Not oh, Web Planet. Planet. God's sake, it's late, listeners. Yeah, Web Web Planet's a weird one. Web Planet's one where it feels like they just put all of their money into the costumings and just yeah couldn't work out what else but, to do with it. But when those when those little Zarbi things flying about, yeah. it's really realistic. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's a there was a trend towards that. Yeah. But now it's genuinely getting to a good production level, at least in the in-camera two episodes we have left. Yeah. Because that's the thing. The gravity effects in one of them. That's the thing as well, which we need to remember. We've only actually really seen uh, five real episodes of season three. Yeah, actually. Because we've got for free from The Tenth Planet... Nothing yeah. from Power of the Daleks and for two in this episode. Yeah, and we have nothing in Macra. Yeah, so we we don't really have much. So yeah, it's um it's very it's a predominantly animated season this, which means we can talk about the animation, which is good fun. But it is nice to be able to look at the actual tape. Yeah, and, and see how it did look, and just to see how expressive, say, Patrick Charlton is as he's doing everything. Hmm. That's one thing I really want to mention, actually. When yeah. Troughton's doing that, that solution and getting the Cybermen to flow around the surface mirror and just look like hopeless, helpless miniature models, which yeah. is effectively what they are, because they are on ropes. Uh, they're little miniatures in camera. But it's got this playfulness that suits this Doctor. It's almost like these episodes are introducing us to a slightly lighter version of Who, which is a little less bogged down, perhaps, in some of the limitations of William Hartnell's Doctor. Yeah. And now we've got a new approach that opens up new possibilities for the shows. So this has been a bit of a weird episode, so I apologise for that, but I think that brings us on to the end. I think we've just about got there, yeah. Yeah. How do you rate this episode? I I like a lot of it. There are are good parts to it. Uh, I think the first two episodes have a nice slow burn setup. Yeah. I admire the way that they've tried to give Polly stuff to do at yeah. times, and they, and Jamie has his moments as well. And I'm also really admiring of the side characters. I think uh, Benoit particularly is memorable, um, as is the main guy running the moon base. But it is hard to shake the fact that it feels like a slightly inferior Tenth Planet. Yeah, it feels like they took off good parts of Tenth Planet and decided to try again. But yeah, it was just a second run. 
it's like like a tenth planet, but on a smaller scale, and it just doesn't it's overly very work. Weird. It, and it does feel like a bit of overkill with the Cybermen, because if it was a completely different story, fine, but it is almost exactly the same. Yeah, in the same season as well. I mean, different Doctor, so there is one difference, but one major difference. But outside of that, there's very little to to break these episodes apart. So I'm going to give it a six. I'm thinking around the same, but for slightly different reasons. I just found it a bit slow and a bit boring. But equally, as you say, there are elements to it which are good, so... I'm not going to give it lower six, but oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I kind of think about it. It's, it's a really it, middling episode, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's a good, a good opinion. It kept me interested, but not much more than that. It reminds me, if I had like a good comparison to it, it's maybe like on the quality of a space museum yeah. in season two. Like it's all right. There are some good things going on, but it's, yeah, there are flat parts to it. Yeah, there's good high points, but then everything else is just a bit flat. So yeah, um, I still think if you haven't watched it, it's worth seeking out just for the two uh, surviving parts. Yeah. So you can see a bit of the live action. That's really nice. And then you can see how it compares to the animation. I think it's worth a watch, but yeah. it's not it's not the first classic episode I would recommend yet. Not even the first side moment, because the 10th planet no. compared <laughs> to it. a lot better. Yeah. But so however, that... however, sorry, James, for interrupting you there. Sorry, it's fine. It is, like, the weird thing is, like, we're being really down on this episode. But also, compared against, say, other episodes in, say, season two, this mm. is really good compared to those ones. The The average quality has certainly bumped up. Yeah. And I know a lot of that is down to the fact that most of the episodes that have been animated are kind of renowned for being pretty good. Yeah. So you're going to get a better crop, whereas... In the Hartnell era, where more episodes have survived, you can find things like the gunfighters still kicking around, and they the Romans and they can, giants. Also, they can cherry pick what ones they animate here, can't they? Yeah, so you have to be wary of it. But the ones we've seen, there's a better quality to the point now where, like you say, we're talking about a six out of ten episode, which in season two would have been like, oh, thank God for that, and it, we're kind of like, well, is that all? Yeah. Shows you the expectations have gone up. Yeah, they definitely have, which will be good, which is good. So anyway, thanks for listening to this all over the shop podcast. Apologies about that again. We've we're coming we're going tomorrow not tomorrow. Tomorrow next, next week we are going to watch a weird one. Because the doctor seems to just blow up a really nice looking colony. Yes, because there is nothing there. Doesn't macro don't exist? They don't exist. You're not allowed to say they exist, and in fact, you couldn't because they don't. No, they don't. So why would you even think it? They don't exist. So please subscribe to hear our views on that weird episode. (laughs) Warning: there is no guarantee that this episode will exist. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so subscribe wherever you get your podcast to listen to our next episodes going into the future and. You can get in touch with us at Black Archive Pod, or you can email us at um, blackarchivepod at gmail.com. He has got it right. Uh, yeah, please let us know what you're thinking of some of these episodes, if you've watched it, if you're thinking about watching it, and any other Patrick Troughton-based thinking. We'd love to hear from you if you've got something to say. Other than that, though, there's nothing else left to do. We'll catch you next week for um, the 
blank terror. <laughs> yeah. See you next they week. They don't exist. <laughs> See you next week. Goodbye.